Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier, in better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement podcast. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here and a big aloha. Happy New Year, guys and gals. It's a beautiful 2021. Holy smokes. I used to think it was weird saying that we lived in the 21st century. Oh my gosh. But hey, we're 20, almost 21 years into it. How awesome is that? I know it was a funky 2020, but hey, we are into a new year. I'm looking outside. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. And it's going to be a great year. I'm feeling it. And I hope you guys had a great holiday season. You got to spend some time with your family, your loved ones. I really hope that you had a great holiday season and that you're pumped and you're ready for this new 2021. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Just wanted to shout you out. In fact, I wanted to read you one of the recent reviews I got because these things like legit, they get me to do this time and time again, because sometimes I just, I don't want to. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's hard. It's a lot of work. I mean, legit, I take hours and hours and hours for each and every podcast for you guys. I want you to have the most up to date, the latest and greatest scientific studies, the research, the real deal. This is not dogma. This is based on science. And I want you to have that. And to do it, it takes a lot of effort. And so thank you guys. (laughs) And sometimes it even takes recording the same podcast twice, (laughs) which I had to do this week. I had some weird computer glitch and it dumped the file. And, And so here I thought I was uploading my new podcast and boom, flash, boom, ba-bam, it was gone. So this is take two and I'm super pumped, maybe even more pumped to share it with you the second time. And before I jump right into it, it's so exciting. I wanted to share a review entitled Love the Doctor's Enthusiasm, December of 2020. And it's from Learning in the Desert. Well, here it says, and I quote, I love the knowledge and enthusiasm that is shared in a relatable way. I have been motivated through listening to this weekly podcast to make small, but yet simple changes to my health, and I feel better, especially through getting enough vitamin N. (laughs) I love me some vitamin N. For those that haven't listened to previous podcasts, I call that the vitamin nature, vitamin N, and I often get my vitamin D Well, I'm out enjoying the vitamin N, so (laughs) it's an indispensable part of my life. I hope it is yours, too. It says, the doctor is relatable to many, and I just love to listen to his voice. Thank you for taking the time to research and share. Once again, thank you, 
learning in the desert for that awesome review. Thank you so much. If you guys haven't already, please go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and hit the star farthest to the right, five stars on Apple Podcasts. You scroll down after you've gone to the show, click on subscribe, hopefully, and then you hit the star farthest to the right. That's five, and it says right below that, write a review. There's a little square with a little pencil coming out on the left-hand side. You click on that, and you just you just share with me. Let me know what you're loving. Let me know what you're learning, and I would be tickled. I so, so appreciate the feedback, guys. Also, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to my free Facebook group called the Modern Medicine Movement Health and Wellness Facebook group. And I pretty much universally accept everybody in there. It's a fun group to be a part of because you'll be the first to know when the podcasts have released. And you'll be the first to you know, be able to get the latest data that I share or listen to a live that I do. I try to do at least one a week. Hopefully, I've already done one this week, but I'm thinking about doing a second, maybe today, because I love sharing with you guys. There's so much important, new, and cutting-edge science out there that can change your life. I know it has mine. So, so anyway, reach out to me there in the group or on email. I'm old school like that. I still do email. It's Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail. Uh, com. I take pride in, in uh, responding to you guys, answering your questions. Shout me out on your Facebook, Instagram. Share, 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 and share like because I really feel like these episodes can benefit so many out there. And so if you haven't already shared with your family, friends, loved ones, please, 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 please do so. And ask them to write a review. It just, it just gets the word out. It makes it more discoverable. And I actually just got emailed a few weeks back letting us know right here at the Modern Medicine Movement, we are in the top 100 health podcasts worldwide. I got this email about that. So we've broke the top 100 in the world, which is pretty stinking awesome. Can't wait to be in the top 50 and then the top 10. Let's try to get that done. So share, 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 and share like, and please drop me a review. Anyway, happy new year once again. Let me just get down into it. The episode for this week, which I'm so pumped to share about something I am in case you haven't noticed, passionate about. <laughs> in fact, I decided this year to make it my main New Year's health intention or goal or where the proverbial rubber meets the road. This is what I'm going to try to do each and every day, and that is to become metabolically flexible each and every day, better and better, to be able to perform, to be able to enjoy the day, the oh, benefits of metabolic flexibility, which you'll hear shortly, are increíble. They're amazing. They're incredible. They're awesome. And I can't wait to share more with you. So, hey, who knows what metabolic flexibility is anyway? Well, you guys probably know I've talked a couple of times in previous shows about metabolism, how we can get it running better, supercharge it, if you will, get it efficient, and metabolic flexibility is sort of the, I'm just going to call it the holy grail. <laughs> Any of you guys out there watch the famous Indiana Jones and uh, I think it was The Last Crusade <laughs> with Harrison Ford. These are some of my favorites growing up, but a trilogy, I think, or maybe it was four. I think it was a trilogy. But anyway, 
this was kind of the final in the series, and and they were looking for the holy grail, if you will. And I would propose that of health, really, for me, the holy grail is this. It is metabolic flexibility. (laughs) So what the heck is it anyway? Well, by definition, and technically speaking, it's the ability to respond or adapt to conditional changes in demand, metabolic demand in environment, as well as the prevailing conditions or activity. So, okay, how about in English? What does that mean? So it means basically that we, as organisms, we as humans have the ability to adapt, to make adjustments, to change, to adapt to both the presence or the absence of food, as well as the different types of fuel available. So being able to adapt and to be able to do so on a dime, you know, the sort of turn on a dime. I often use that expression to describe my favorite surfboard. If I can, you know, really lay down an edge or on my rail, if you will, as we call it, the rail of the surfboard and just pump out a big bottom turn and then hit the lip, that turn on a dime expression is what we want our metabolism to do. We want it to be able to turn on a dime, whether it is we're feeding it protein or healthy fats or healthy carbs, whatever it may be, or if we're unable to eat for a day or two or three or five, we want our body to be able to adapt quickly and have that capability to literally be able to change back and forth between substrate or between foods, you know, macronutrients, so to speak, as well as the presence or the absence of food, the so-called feast (laughs) or famine. So when they first sort of discovered this capability of organisms, they studied it in helminths. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows what a helminth is? <laughs> a helminth is what I was accused of having after I returned from being in Guatemala for a couple of years um, as a uh, service uh, missionary. I, I was there, and when I came home, I literally could eat 6,000 calories a day, <laughs> and it never showed. And so I was accused of having one of these, a helminth, a parasitic worm, if you will. You know, though, you guys have probably heard of the nematodes or the cestodes or the trematodes, or at least I did. Maybe I'm the only geek there. The roundworms, the tapeworms, the flukes, so to speak, and there are numerous of them. In fact, people would ask me, hey, do you have a tapeworm or, you know, one of these other worms that I could borrow? Could you let me have some of that? I'm sure you got one because you never gain any stinking weight. What the heck's up with that? I want one of those things. <laughs> well, when they were studying these, they basically found out that <laughs> these helminths, <laughs> these parasitic tapeworms, had the ability to survive and thrive in very different conditions. They could survive in an environment with oxygen, you know, the the proverbial 21% that we have that we survive in just fine, and without oxygen or anaerobic 
And unfortunately, we as humans can't <laughs> survive without oxygen. <laughs> so, so we're not as good as the helmets in this, in this capability, but we can learn how to optimize our metabolism such that it can become flexible to respond for changing environmental conditions. Like I mentioned, feast or famine or substrate or fuel source, you know, the macros, carbs, protein, and of course the healthy fats. And we want to be able to adapt to these changes in our environment, just like these helmets were described to be able to do when they first described this term of metabolic flexibility. And so that's what we want. And in fact, our ancestors did this actually really, 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 really well. <laughs> Until we kind of screwed it up with things like refrigerators and fast food and restaurants, 24-hour joints and all these other places that we could basically <laughs> find food at any time of the day or night. Well, thousands of years ago, millennia in the past, we didn't have that issue. And we were way <laughs> more metabolically healthy. We might have, you know, been chased by a lion and killed that way or whatever, but we didn't die of heart attacks or strokes or, or whatever else because we were metabolically flexible. Just think about it. We may not have food each and every day because we had to go hunt or we had to find it and gather it. You know, the berries that were out in the wild or we had to have a hunt and and take down that whatever it was, four-legged <laughs> beast that we decided to eat, you know, that's what we did. And it may take a day or two or three to get to that next, you know, catch, if you will. And so in the meantime, our bodies had no issue. They adapted to it. That They used that uh, <laughs> inner tube around the belly that we uh, developed in times of feast, right? <laughs> We store our fat, generally speaking, around the belly there, that, that so-called inner tube or those love handles, whatever it is. And that was actually by design. Like nowadays we try so hard to get rid of that stuff. Well, evolutionarily or teleologically, however you want to look at it, we were designed to be able to have that capability so that we'd be okay if we didn't eat for a few days. Now, this is not what I'm encouraging, but I'm just saying if we're metabolically flexible, we could do that. You know, I don't recommend it, at least not on a regular basis. And if you do, please drink plenty of water. <laughs> you can do the water fast, which is, you know, you can have free access to water, but you can avoid calories, if you will, for a day or two or three or five, as some people do every now and again. I, I personally don't do really long fasts, but I do, you know, a one day or a 24-hour fast once a month. I find it to be an amazing experience, both health-wise for my body and also for my soul, it's good. It's, it's a time that I really feel awake and enlivened and supercharged and well. And I'll get into why this is the case, and I have already in the past a little bit when we've talked about intermittent fasting. But this is, in a nutshell, one of the things we want to be able to achieve. We want to have our bodies capable of surviving and thriving in all different situations right? Feast or famine or whatever the macronutrients are that we ingest and to perform at the highest level, right? Why would we want anything less? We want to perform at the highest level. And I'm going to teach you today right here how to do that, how to achieve metabolic flexibility, okay? So sometimes when we're kind of learning a new concept, one of the easiest, easiest ways to understand you know, 
what it is or how it applies is to take the converse or the opposite or the antithesis of metabolic flexibility. And let's talk about what that feels like, right? If you want to know if you are metabolically flexible or not, I have a really simple test for you. Super simple. All right. Take a eight or 12 or 16 or 18 or even 24 hour period and don't eat anything. Drink plenty of water, but don't eat anything and see how you feel. If you feel like crap and you're at the two or three hour mark and you're like, oh my gosh, where is that healthy protein bar or, or, or Snickers bar like I used to reach for or whatever, you're looking for a snack at the two to three or four hour mark and you can't even make it between one meal to the next, that's a sign that not yet you haven't achieved metabolic flexibility, but you can. And I'm here to tell you that this is something that you can do and you can do actually pretty quickly. It can happen over the course of a couple of weeks. So here's a couple of questions to ask yourself to think about. Do you get hungry or even hangry? You know, the, the, the moodiness or agitation, the hangry. If you don't eat every two to three or four hours, do you feel that way? Do you get that? Do you feel weak? Do you feel without energy? Do you suffer from, you know, low, low energy or poor mood or decreased attention span or even this proverbial brain fog kind of cloudiness that we talk about? Or do you feel, you know, kind of anxious or nervous if you don't, you know, have something in your purse to reach for or your backpack like I used to reach for a snack? Like for me, it used to be a Snickers bar. <laughs> you know, in college and medical school, I universally on a daily basis carried with me a Snickers bar because if I felt like I was getting kind of hangry, in fact, in those days, I didn't even know that term. I'd never heard that term. But hangry, because I felt like I needed that snack, my blood sugar was dropping, I had hypoglycemia, I would reach for a Snickers bar. Probably because as a kid, I would watch those commercials that said Snickers really satisfies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. It really worked really well for about one, two, or maybe maximum three hours. <laughs> In fact, funny, funny side note. Um, every year, my wife and I have been married now over 23 years. And every year, as far as I can remember, in my stocking, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if anybody's out there and doesn't know who fills the stockings, well, my wife would fill my stocking and I was supposed to fill hers. So, so in other words, on Christmas morning, I would open up my stocking and it always had Snickers bars in there because she knew I liked these things. And what's funny is the last several years, maybe four or five, maybe even a decade, I, you know, she would buy the, the big ones, right? The king size or the large ones, not just those little silly snack size ones, but she would give me the big ones, you know, <laughs> the ones that as a kid, if you got a Halloween, you were like the bomb. If you got a king size Snickers bar. Well, anyway, I got these in my stocking every Christmas for literally two decades. <laughs> but in the last several years, at least four or five years, I think what she realized is these same <laughs> king size or, or large Snickers bars or whatever, they would remain in my nightstand next to my bed literally six, eight, 12 months until the next Christmas came along and I still had a candy bar in there from the last Christmas <laughs> because 
I changed my ways. I, I achieved a better sense of metabolic flexibility. I did not have the cravings of these Snicker bars any longer. And so I didn't need them. And so actually, I got to tell you, 2021 Christmas Day was the first time in probably two decades or more that I did not get any Snicker bars, Snickers bars, whatever, in my, in my stocking for more than two decades. I got Zip Zero Zilch Snickers bars. Brooke, what happened with that? Maybe she took my hand. I don't know. <laughs> and guess what? It was F-I-N-E fine. I didn't miss it one single bit. I didn't even ask her about it. It was kind of funny. But I think she got the hint because legit, for the last several years, I haven't craved any of these kinds of things. And part of that metabolic flexibility will manifest itself in the lack of craving for carbs and these sweet little treats. And, you know, I... Hey, I, I, I buy the good stuff, right? The caveman bars or the this or the that's, the organic paleo bars, whatever. But still, it's best if we don't even snack at all for a metabolic health because millennia ago, we could not snack and we got by just fine. So if you feel anxious, nervous, or you're like, oh crap, you know, I can't leave the house unless I have my XYZ in my purse or backpack, whatever, like I used to feel, you have not yet achieve metabolic flexibility. And so we will talk about how we can, because when you do, it is beautiful. It is beautiful and it is awesome. And it's not only the ability to switch back and forth between, you know, metabolizing the different macronutrients like the glucose, you know, or the carbs or the healthy fats or the proteins. Not only can you switch back and forth, but you can also go periods of time like if you choose to do time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting or a fast uh, of a longer period of time, you can do that with no major issue. You will not feel hangry. You will not feel tired, weak, moody, brain fog. In fact, you will feel the opposite of this. You will have energy. You will feel mental clarity and focus. You will not crave those Snickers bars or whatever that uh, snack of choice was for you. And this is all the beauty of metabolic flexibility. It will legit, I kid you not, and this is why I'm so stinking passionate about it in case you haven't noticed, it will change your life. When you truly have metabolic flexibility, you can go throughout your day and never once be wondering, oh, where's my next little snack? Or what am I going to eat for breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Like legit, I can go a whole day. And although, ask my wife once again, I love to eat. I can go a whole day and not even think about my next meal. And it's awesome because sometimes I'm on a roll, you know, either if I'm having a great, you know, surf session or I'm hiking with the family or the kids and I go longer than I anticipated or a great ski day or whatever it is, and I can just be out literally all day and just forget about eating altogether, not even be hungry or crave it, or I'm just sitting here typing on my computer, you know, I've been writing a book, as most of you know, I can't wait for that to come out. Um, but you will have this renewed life where you don't have to think about what you're going to eat next. You don't have to plan what you're going to bring in your backpack to work or whatever in the sense that you don't have to plan snacks. You're not going to get hypoglycemic. Like this will legit change your life. B12 
becoming metabolically flexible because you'll be able to go several hours, even half a day or even a full day if you choose to once in a while. And not only not be hungry, but you'll be energized. You'll be sharp. You'll be focused. You won't have the brain fog and you can actually enjoy (coughs) your life. Enjoy the day without that stress, anxiety, fear, agitation that comes with not knowing what you're going to snack on in the next two to three hours or having to reach for that second cup of coffee in the morning or midday or, or right after lunch, you know, having to do a couple more, you know, hits of your favorite espresso or coffee or caffeinated beverage. You won't even need that because you'll be energized <laughs> from this metabolic flexibility. So yeah, I think you can tell I'm passionate about it. <laughs> the under the understatement of the year, right? Anyway, let's get there. Let's talk about how this can be achieved now that we've kind of explained what it is and what it is not. <laughs> let's get into it. What things can improve our metabolic flexibility? Well, of course, I've mentioned this many times, but our diet or simply what we put into our mouth, not that it's a diet because most of you know I despise that word, right? Why? It's got the word die in it. <laughs> Nobody wants to die. Who wants to participate in a die it? <laughs> I know it's New Year's, guys, and a lot of people are thinking about that. Well, don't diet. Just be more mindful about how you choose to eat, about what you fill your body and your soul with. And that is basically pretty simple. We just got to pay attention, right? The expression I learned as a kid, which probably many of you have heard as well, is you are what you eat. And that is actually true. Like literally all of our cells, the trillions of them, both our own and the many others that live on us, within us, and inside of us that in fact make up our microbiome, it is basically primarily made up from what we eat. The substrate, right, as it's called in chemistry. The fuel, the protein, the carbs, the fats. It's what we put into it. The nutrients, the macro and micronutrients. That's what makes up who we are. And if we just take a little pause and are mindful of what we're eating, we can do this. And as many of you know, I don't, specifically promote any any special dietary plan as far as, you know, the Atkins diet or the DASH diet or the Mediterranean diet or the this diet or the that diet. You know, there's so many out there. I, I use my own hybrid. <laughs> it's a hybrid diet, and it's probably a mix between a Mediterranean and a, a ketogenic, not, not really an Atkins. Man, when Atkins came out with his diet back in, I think it was the 70s or so, it was... People just didn't get it. They just thought, hey, I can eat all the bacon and all the margarine in those days, right? They, they were taught to eat margarine, which is like might as well be toxic waste that we're eating when we eat those polyunsaturated fats and the hydrogenated fats, you know, the Criscos of the world and all that. But we didn't know back then. Hey, I was, I was a child of the 70s. I, I get it. My mom wouldn't even let me eat eggs very often because she thought they were going to kill me. And if she did let me eat eggs, I could have one egg. And now when I eat eggs, I'll have four. Like, I don't drink them like The Rock does, you know, just straight, but I I like to cook them. (laughs) But I'll eat four of them, no problem, and I can do that most days a week. (laughs) And it's healthy. But anyway, 
the macros and the micronutrients that we put into our body actually do matter. They make up who we are on a microscopic level, on a cellular level, and they are the substrate or the building blocks, if you will, of what makes us who we are. So guess what? You guys already knew this, but no two of us are alike. Even identical twins are very different in this way because they don't eat exactly the same diet. They don't have exactly the same microbiota, right? You guys remember that twin study that I talked about in my microbiome podcast where two identical twins, and this was crazy because they actually got the same diet, (laughs) at least for this study period of time, but they had different microbiome. And the ones that had, or the twin, I should say, that had the not so healthy um, microbiome, like the Firmicutes bacteria in their, in, their, in their gut and these others that love, 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 love sugar, the one, even though they had the same amount of calories, the same foods, one of them got fat or stayed fat and the other one didn't. The other one was, you know, lost weight and they had the same exact food sources, but they had a different gut, a different microbiome. And that's because leading into it, you know, what they had uh, eaten, it's we are what we eat, like, I just can't say it any more simply than that. And so, although I don't profess to promote any specific dietary plan, I sort of lean towards a more Mediterranean-style, low-carb diet. It's sort of, I wouldn't call it a full, you know, full-blown ketogenic diet, but I'm I'm in a low-grade kind of ketosis most of the time. And, And this is actually a sign of metabolic flexibility. Like, if you were to actually you know, measure my ketone levels, you know, I wouldn't be winning any contests. You know, those keto buffs out there that think you got to be living above five, you know, millimoles in your blood of ketones at any given time, like, you don't need to be. In fact, I would, I would actually present the question that having your ketones at this level all the time, like above, let's just pick five, for example, this seems to be like people start to brag about it online, like my ketones are five, well, mine are seven, mine are eight, mine are 10. Like, you know what? I don't want to have my ketones that high (laughs) for a couple of reasons. One, as a physician, (laughs) as a doctor, I understand that having, you know, what we call ketoacidosis, which is going to be, you know, probably in the level above eight or so, eight or 10 or, or so or more, really having legit ketoacidosis, is a bad thing. You don't want your blood to be significantly acidic. Like, that ain't good. Trust me, I've seen people have major issues from this. Usually it's from a condition called diabetic ketoacidosis, but there's other types. There's an alcoholic ketoacidosis. There's a severe starvation ketosis, ketoacidosis. There's more than one cause of this. And and so I don't profess to be this robust, you know, super high level of ketones in my blood. Mine probably runs a little less than one, maybe about 0.5 to 0.8. You know, it's been checked before and it's in this low, low grade level that's often considered what we call a nutritional uh, ketosis. And that's where I like to be. And I, I would actually present the question, all you big keto folks out there, that if your levels are quite high, you know, in this five, six, seven, eight range, I would actually have you consider that maybe that might not be the best thing. Maybe you're winning a contest on Instagram or whatever as being the the buffest or or whatever you call it, the most robust keto, you know, follower or whatever. I don't get into that for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think the body was designed to be acidic like that. 
right? It was designed to be neutral in the pH, which is why it's supposed to be around the 7 uh, range of pH, 7.4, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so if our ketones are too high, you know, it may mean that our body is not as metabolically flexible as we would like, and it's not taking them up or bringing them into the cells as well as we need to be. Because if we truly have optimal metabolic flexibility, that means our body is really, really, really good at extracting the ketones from the blood and utilizing them. Because ketones are awesome. I love ketones. They are the best, uh, just incredible, incredible, incredible fuel source for our body, even our brains, even better than glucose, like we've been taught as kids. Like, ah, the brain loves glucose more than anything. Actually, it really, 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 really loves ketones. A lot of people don't know that. And so having ketones and having the ability to make them and to be able to use them and uptake them and remove them from the blood I would suggest is even healthier than having this super robust, you know, more than five millimoles per liter, you know, ketone level in our blood. I think just a slight, slight mild, what I like to call a nutritional ketosis, which usually people will say starts around 0.3 or 0.5 millimoles in the blood is really desirable because that means that we're getting really good at extracting it. You know, the converse, we could use the same scenario and say, you know, sugar in the blood, right? If we get it too high, we all know that's not good, right? That's diabetes, and that can actually lead to what's called diabetic ketoacidosis. And the reason that it gets so high is because the body is not bringing it into the cell appropriately because the insulin ain't working well. This whole business of insulin resistance, right? The body is pumping out more and more and more and more insulin into the blood because the insulin that's there just ain't working that well. They're having trouble removing the glucose from the blood. So in return, the body makes more and more of it and so at the end of the day, you have high blood sugar and high insulin in the blood, neither of the which are awesome. Anyway, I digress. But, but I just bring that point up because sometimes we, all of us, including me, sometimes we get a little bit too dogmatic about one health approach. And I try to not be like that, especially when, when speaking to a big audience, because everybody's health goals and everybody's bodies are a little different. Although we're created all with the same basic building blocks, we're all unique, which is awesome. <laughs> and so no one particular exacting diet is going to work best for every single person out there. We're all going to have our own sort of um, you know, tweaks that we're going to do. And, and I even have my own tweaks. But like I said, you know, I tend to kind of follow a Mediterranean slash low-grade keto, kind of low-carb type of a, a diet. You know, Also, I'm not just, you know, plant or animal. I'm full, full omnivore. I like to eat the rainbow, as they say, right? All of these things I believe are there and created for us, for our betterment and our good and our well-being. And just like our ancestors did, they ate everything that was available to them. <laughs> that's just kind of the approach I use. But I, I know that for every person, it's a little different. And that's awesome. That's fine. Because we are all different. And in order to be able to achieve this metabolic flexibility, the main thing here is we just need to pay attention to what we're actually putting in. Make sure it's real, whole, healthy, natural, hopefully also non-GMO and, and also um, organic foods because that's where we're going to get the highest quality nutrients. Real, whole, natural foods, plant and animal, I would suggest that we can get lots of nutrients from both of these spheres. And so we just need to pay attention to that, try to keep it to the 
<laughs> five ingredient rule, right? If you're, if you're eating stuff that's got more than five ingredients, it's probably not awesome. And you're probably going to find crappy stuff in there. Not only just highly processed things, sugars and grains and flours and all of that, but most of them have vegetable oils in them of some kind or another. And those are stinking toxic. They're horrible, but, um, uh, not going to get into that right now. Listen to my podcast on fats and vegetable oils and all that because it's super interesting. But diet is super important because food is medicine and we are what we eat. So we just got to pay attention to that and try to do what we would do if we had the most finely tuned exotic you know, racing car of the Century, whatever that may be. I don't even know. Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati. I have no idea what's the best. But I'm sure if any of us had them, we would want to put the best quality fuel in them. And I would say that each of us are like that. We need and will thrive off the best quality food. So enough of that. Next thing that can help improve our metabolic flexibility is following a little bit of a time window. We can call it time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Call it whatever you want to call it, but shortening our feeding window and increasing the time that we are not eating or a fasting window is actually super, super healthy in a lot of ways. And if you haven't started this or haven't tried this, go small. The first thing I would suggest you try is just cut out the snacks. Try not to eat between meals. And if you're just starting to make these you know, steps, maybe at first, before you eliminate all snacks, just change it to really healthy snacks like whole organic nuts, you know, macadamia nuts, walnuts, almonds, you know, just eat these, you know, or just a healthy fat between meals, a little bit of coconut or whatever between meals to help you get through. But ultimately to have some windows of time where we're not eating is super, super healthy. And you can think about this, such that every time we are putting something into our mouths, our whole body is like amped up working overtime to digest this stuff. And it takes a lot of equipment, a lot of machinery, a lot of energy to digest our food. And it can create a lot of toxins, if you will, or waste products. Depending on what we put into our body, certain fuel sources burn cleaner, if you will, than others. And I'm going to talk all about this in my book But um, suffice it to say that when we are eating all of the time, our cellular machinery, if you will, never has a chance to rest, to do the housekeeping, if you will. (laughs) Or the terms I think a lot of us have heard about recently is autophagy, you know, this whole process of cellular housekeeping, which is really kind of how I would describe autophagy. Now, if you haven't heard of autophagy, basically autophagy, auto meaning self and phagy meaning eating, eating itself, you know, sort of the Greek translation, you eat yourself, meaning we eat our own cells that are no longer serving us. Those that are either damaged or have within them organelles or smaller organs inside of the cells that aren't working well. We clean them up. We got to, we got to clean it up. Like we have this little song that I sing to my girls, you know, clean up, clean up, everybody clean up. You know, we do that every day. We do a little cleanup. Well, just like my daughter's bedroom and our bodies need the same. They need a cleanup each and every day. And part of this cleanup is what's called autophagy. And this is the time 
that we can get rid of those toxins. We can get rid of those, you know, dead or dying cells that need to be cleaned up, or even these precancerous cells that may be trying to set root in our bodies because at any given moment in time, although most of us don't think about it, including me, which I think it's great that we don't think about it, but we have literally in our bodies each and every day cells trying to become oncogenic, which means cancer-causing. And because of our cleanup mechanisms, because of autophagy, we can avoid getting cancer because we will take these guys out. <laughs> Legit, we will take them out through autophagy. And so autophagy can often be a very, very positive thing. And intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding has been shown to increase autophagy. And it's been helpful. In the same way, in, in a lot of cancers, they've looked at this kind of thing. They've also looked at uh, um, longevity studies with uh, caloric restriction um, and fasting, and it's been shown to improve not only your day-to-day -day life, but your longevity. You can live longer through calorie restriction and intermittent fasting and or time-restricted feeding, however you want to look at it, because it increases lots of good stuff that happen, including this autophagy, the cellular cleanup, um, the flushing that happens in the brain every night or every time that we're not eating, this whole cellular washout, if you will, and the flushing of toxins. Like this happens when we're not eating. Like if we're opening our mouths 20 out of 24 hours a day, this just doesn't have adequate time to really do its job. It's really important. And there's, there's other things that increase autophagy besides fasting, things like exercise, you know, as well as certain minerals and other important micronutrients. You know, you guys have heard of curcumin, the active ingredient, if you will, in turmeric, um, which helps increase autophagy. It's been shown that. I, I take turmeric every day, which has the curcumin in it, uh, not only for that reason, but because it's an anti-inflammatory. It helps with my aches and pains of being almost 50 years old that, that uh, I have from time to time. And I love to reach for that much better than anything prescription or over-the-counter as a pharmaceutical. But um, this whole notion of cellular cleanup and autophagy is really important because it's how our bodies flush <laughs> all the bad stuff, both, both the toxins as well as the damaged and injured uh, cells. And, and one of the things that helps to, this to get done is having a window where we're not opening our mouths and putting and filling it with all different kinds of foods and snacks and things like that. So the next thing we can do, I've already alluded to it, is movement, the infamous six for six that my wife purports and, and, and promotes. And I think she's even got a six for six life uh, page on Instagram now because it's so important to exercise, to have movement, to move your body each and every day. And, and she put up there the six for six um, because I think a lot of us like to have a day of rest, but I would actually go beyond that and say it's good to move our bodies in some way seven for seven <laughs> or all days. And, and I'm not talking about an all out, you know, pump it up in the gym kind of thing. But on the seventh day, it's, you know, can be your rest day, but you can just go for a walk, something super mellow because our bodies were made <laughs> to move. Have any of you guys um, read that book out there? It's called uh, Born to Run. Cool, cool book. <laughs> if you haven't had the opportunity, check it out. I, I don't get any kickbacks or anything, but Born to Run. Pretty cool book. Talks all about sort of this natural running style, you know, the barefoot running and the the indigenous folks in the Terahumar um, 
uh, place there in Mexico that lived in the canyons and did this crazy up and down cliffs and mountains and canyons, ravines, and this crazy, you know, hundred mile runs and things like that and how they were able to do that. And it's a really cool book because it, it really elucidates and shows how the body was like designed to move. You know, it talks about the, you know, over a hundred different uh, bones we have and lots of dozens of them uh, in the foot and how our foots were not made incorrectly. You know, some podiatrists may tell you, you know, the foot was jacked up. You know, there's even books written by podiatrists and I have nothing against podiatrists. In fact, I got a one dude I really like who's a podiatrist and he's, he's recommended some good things that have helped me over my life. Um, but most of these guys, they might tell you that the foot was a mistake, you know, that you must have a certain type of shoe or orthotic or whatever. And I would back up a little bit. I would say, what have we been using for millennia? Well, for the most part, we've been barefoot. <laughs> and like this tribe in Mexico shows us, these guys are the shiz. I mean, they can, they can really crush it literally barefoot. <laughs> and there's been lots of studies on this that show how the way that we were designed to move, to walk, to run, like this is no mistake. This is no accident. We are bipedal Creatures that are supposed to be up on two feet and running around. We, we weren't designed as humans to be on all fours. Like we were made to run. Anyway, I digress. But I, I mentioned that because our bodies are made to move. We are made to move. And if we can do it daily through exercise, this is also a way that will really, really help improve our metabolic flexibility. But it should not be done in a vacuum. In other words, the days of calories in, calories out, eat whatever the heck you want. I don't care if it's Cheesecake Factory, cheesecake every single night. As long as you go to the gym every single day, you can do that. Bull crap. <laughs> I hope I didn't just ruin somebody's mantra, but that's not the case. <laughs> calories in, calories out is dead. It should be dead. I'm going to talk all about it in my book. It's garbage and it does not work. <laughs> you can exercise all you want. But you could still drop dead of a heart attack at 50 if you filled your body full of garbage your whole life. And I've seen this, and it's super, super sad. Even more so, thinking about it, I've had family members die younger than they needed to die, and it's tragic. And we can affect this. We can change this. A lot of it has to do with what we put into our bodies. And to get our daily movement. Get our daily movement. Anyway, I was going to talk a whole lot about different dietary regimes that are out there and counting carbs and why you would or wouldn't. And I, I don't really subscribe to anything super specific out there as far as the details of, you know, you got to have this many or that many. I don't count anything, to be honest. <laughs> and it has served me well. And I would like to be able to share this with you guys because I think just like exercise, the best one for you is the one that you will do <laughs> the best program, the best health program, the best dietary program, whatever it is, the best one out there for you is the one that you will do each and every day. And I would propose that there is no need for any strict, stringent, restrictive diet because once you learn about how you can make healthier choices, of what you put into your body and do healthier activities, both with your exercise, your movement, as well as with your sleep, 
with your stress management. Once we do all of these things in such a way, our bodies will respond to that. And we can live well eating lots of varieties of foods and just beautiful, you know, foods that uh, literally the full rainbow, if you will, is possible. And it is possible to do this and have amazing health where you don't suffer from cravings every couple of hours. You don't suffer from brain fog. You don't suffer from this anxiety of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if I don't have, you know, that ability to resolve my hypoglycemia with a Snickers bar or whatever it is for you, you know? There is a way to live without the brain fog, without the cravings, without this hypoglycemia event, you know? without this low energy that makes you want to run for that afternoon cup of coffee or mid-morning cup of coffee or both or whatever. There is a way to do this, and it's through being metabolically flexible. And this will happen. It can happen. It has been shown to happen in actually a pretty short period of time. And maybe I'll podcast a little bit more on this. There's a lot more I wanted to cover, but I my goal for this new year is to not have any podcast over an hour unless... Uh, <laughs> Unless I got a really cool guest and I just don't want to break it up. I mean, I, I did give you a couple of more than one hour ones last year, and and I think it's a little long. So I'll, I'll break it up if I get that long. But uh, this one, I just want you to know how important and how possible it is to achieve this metabolic flexibility and how awesome it is once you achieve it because when you do – you will not only have the energy you've always dreamed of, despite being in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond. I mean, check out these guys that have been doing this thing, and they've known about and doing it for a long, long time, like Mark Sisson. You know, I think he's, what, 70s or something? All these guys that have been literally, you know, attuned to this for decades, and they're thriving. I want to do that. I want to be that. I'm going to be 50 soon, and I... I feel good. I feel as good as I did when I was in my 20s, which is why I'm sharing this with you now because it wasn't always the case. I suffered from all of these things, hypoglycemia, brain fog, feeling tired all the time, feeling, oh my gosh, anxious if I didn't have that Snickers bar in my backpack. Like I had all of these things. And now that I've realized how to get my metabolism healthy and flexible, I'm not suffering from that, and it is awesome, and this is what I want for you guys. I want you guys to have this awesome ability to have metabolic flexibility, and it can be done, and you can do this. So if you had any value here, share it, and reach out to me. Aloha!